0: KUCI.
1: escuchando la
0: 88.9. la radio You're listening to 88.9 FM KUCI in Inter- Good all. This is Claudia Shambaugh, your host on Ask a Leader. Happy New Year, all. Welcome back, students, to work, uh, students back to school. Welcome back, the uh, workers, you worker bees. Welcome back to the carpool grind, moms and dads. Since the uh, telemarketing did not seem to let up over the holidays, I don't see the need in sending any special returning salutations there. And as the traditional... New Year's resolution go on. I am going out on a limb with some pretty anecdotal information, but I seem to be doing better not by proclaiming my resolutions, but simply by doing something different or better or something. Some real progress anyway. I think that by uh, saying what one resolves to do differently, one may just be saying what one hopes to do with high levels of doubt about the execution. So happy New Year's all. Uh, Keep up the good work. Keep up the effort. Well, today on Ask a Leader, we'll first have a listen to an interview that I conducted with Henry Korn, the arts, culture, and heritage manager at the Orange County Great Park, just before they threw a huge New Year's Eve party at the Great Park. I did stop by there on uh, Saturday evening for just a little bit that night, and was I was really impressed uh, by the turnout. I mean, there were thousands of people. We'll find out. We'll get the numbers later. Uh, and the crowd just continued to build as I had to withdraw to head over to another occasion elsewhere in Irvine. So um, stay tuned. They're build, they're building some serious uh, cultural institutions there at the Great Park. So after we hear from Henry, I'll look into some of the new laws that are going into effect Either uh, right at the beginning, or some of them are already in effect, and some uh, be- went into effect on January one, or some will by the middle of the year. I'll just post you with all of that. So uh, we'll uh, now we'll just uh, take a moment and uh, ease into the interview I pre-recorded with Henry Corn last uh, week. On Ask a Leader at the close of the New Year, we've had the opportunity to talk with cultural directors at the Bowers at the Orange County Museum of Art, and now it's my pleasure today to talk with Henry Korn, Manager of Arts, Culture, and Heritage at the Orange County Great Park. Henry Korn, having put in over 40 years of cultural arts direction all around the United States, was the Cultural Affairs Manager at the City of Irvine in the early 1990s. Henry comes to us today from Pasadena. His experience includes uh, in the Southern California region, Poway and Beverly Hills. And he comes to us, as I say, today from Pasadena. Welcome to the show, Henry. Can you see any Rose Parade Floats activity from where you are right now?
1: Can I see what kind of activity? Rose Parade
0: Floats or activity. Rose
1: Parade Floats.
0: Well, not far from where I'm sitting
1: are some of the warehouses that uh, put the uh, Rose Parade floats together. And it's so fun because you can go and uh, view the workers uh,
0: putting the finishing touches on the floats. Oh, cool. It must remind you of hangars from former marine bases. Well, it surely does. It does. That's your, you're in your element of it's a big space and a lot of art to talk, to communicate in it. Well, welcome to the show, Henry I imagine that all the experience you bring from every corner of the country, and specifically from uh, Southern California, it's, that's what's necessary to tame the growing pains of this ambitious startup cultural institution at the Orange County Great Park. You've got the board of directors, you've got the corporation, you've got the city, the foundation, the legacy project, so much. How, what's your first impression, your, What are your impressions of your first two years now with the Orange County Great Park?
1: Well, actually, Claudia, I began with the Orange County Great Park in uh, 2008, and I started as a consultant with them, and then I went on staff uh, in uh, the early part, of, uh, early part of this year. So uh, my uh, experience with them stretches out of over uh, at least some part of uh, four years. And mm-hmm. uh, you are right to characterize the Great Park as an extraordinarily uh, ambitious project, Um, As you know, as part of the uh, peace dividend uh, at the end of the 90s, uh, the federal government closed military bases all over the country, and uh, I think it is widely acknowledged that uh, the conversion of the uh, El Toro property uh, in the city of Irvine is the most uh, advanced base conversion project in the country by virtue of the fact that we've already converted a couple of hundred acres uh, for new, new public uses at the Great Park. Um, you're right that it's been a uh, complex road uh, because uh conversion of military bases is uh, not uh, not something that happens overnight. They have uh, problems that are particular to uh, uh, themselves and their previous operations that uh, need to be solved
0: something something like the Department of Defense colliding with the Environmental Protection Agency.
1: I think that uh, that's probably uh, an accurate uh, accurate statement. I'm not sure collision because we have enjoyed a lot of cooperation from the federal agencies as we've uh, converted this base, and in fact, we've even received a, uh, a substantial grant from the federal government to uh, repurpose one of our historic buildings at the base.
0: Well, very fine. Well, uh, when we'll get to some of the other opportunities, the cultural kind from that infrastructure left behind by the Marines in a bit. Uh, there's There's been a number of exhibits and performances and that kind of thing. Why don't you, Henry Korn, highlight for our listeners some of the previous exhibits and what we can look forward to. We'll get to looking forward to the, the new year after you give us some highlights.
1: Well, I'm happy to do that, Claudia. And maybe before I get into the highlights, it's worth saying that uh, the Board of Directors of the Orange County Great Park has had a very bold strategy in relation to programming. And uh, what I mean by making that statement is that it would have been uh, the easiest uh, thing to do to put a fence around the park and uh, not open it to the public until it has been uh, completely constructed. But the Board of Directors has seen great uh, virtue in uh, activating the spaces as as we build them. So the most notable activation occurred after the uh, Great Orange uh, Balloon Ascension was installed in 2007, and the so-called the Balloon Park was constructed. And uh, it wasn't enough to just make this uh, an attraction to the people of Orange County to be able to get up above the property and see the breadth and depth of the El Toro project and over the years uh, watch the, uh, the base being converted but uh, we also uh, activated the area around the Balloon Park, uh, starting in 2008, with a summer uh, performing arts festival that we've been doing now for the past four years in collaboration with the Irvine Barclay Theater. And uh, the festival has had uh, two main uh, components: uh, the first being free outdoor concerts on a main stage built on a runway at El Toro, uh, and uh, so those are uh, uh, more of a traditional concert situation, and then on Friday nights we've been doing very large-scale public dances to uh, live music because we always uh, are interested in emphasizing the idea of public participation and uh, and celebration. Uh, that series is now uh, in our fifth year. Uh, Claudia, we were uh, fortunate enough that the two of our main stage selections for last year were nominated for Grammy Awards recently. It really has been a uh, a star-studded experience and a very audience-friendly experience.
0: Well, when we talk about all the free admissions for these events that you're booking, Henry, uh, who who do you write the thank-you note to? You would write the thank-you note to the city of
1: Irvine by having the uh, foresight to ask the commercial developer who is responsible. You know, the El Toro property was... uh, when the Navy held at approximately 5,000 acres. And of that 5,000 acres, approximately 1,500 acres are in public, uh, public hands uh, in the process of becoming the Orange County Great Park. Uh, that leaves uh, thousands of acres left over, and uh, the Navy sold this property to a uh, community developer uh, named uh, Five Points
0: and, and we've interviewed Emil Haddad earlier in the year. Aha,
1: so you're very, very familiar yes. with that. Yeah. So uh, as part of the uh, arrangements uh, for this public-private partnership, uh, they've gotten us uh, into business and uh, provided us with not only the funds but uh, uh, in uh, increasing ways uh, development of infrastructure that is assisting in uh, in developing the Great Park and uh, helping to pay for uh, some of these wonderful uh, free public programs that we've been doing over the past four years.
0: Well, that that's part of the uh, live performance, and then more recently uh, there was uh, looked to be exquisite uh, chamber music performed by the classical pianist. I have his name here. Uh, uh,
1: Kevin Lax, no doubt. Well, uh, here's uh, here's a little uh, backgrounder on uh, all of that, Claudia. For the first. Uh, three years that i've been associated with the great park we've been doing all of our performances and events in uh, non-traditional spaces because we haven't had facilities but uh, But that works but well it worked really well and it continues to work but since uh, july of this year we have had the benefit of having a facility called the palm court arts complex which in its totality is about 25,000 square feet of interior performance space in three separate buildings, all linked by a beautiful one-acre outdoor plaza that is perfectly set up to support uh, outdoor performances, and that really has changed the nature of uh, what we've been able to do. And the Chamber Music series that you just referred to is, uh, is an example. It would be... Uh, problematic from a technical perspective to put a chamber orchestra out in the uh, wide open spaces on the prairie, as it were. But uh, now that we have uh, our Palm Court Arts Complex with our twin uh, buildings, our our gallery building and our artist studio facilities and its project space, uh, they have excellent acoustics, and that has now become a venue for classical
0: music. Well, that is what it's all about, building building these arts and. In- in- cultural arts institutions from from the tarmac up I guess you could say so
1: well it's quite extraordinary in this day and age and this economy that southern california has a new uh, nonprofit arts facility but uh, there you are and
0: we do and that that bears repeating that it is extraordinary in these times that that vision gets puts together and uh, an institution uh, that we I don't think get uh, enough press in, and I, I don't mind sounding obsequious about that. Well, for those of you who've just joined us, my guest is Henry Korn, Manager of Arts, Culture, and Heritage at the Orange County Great Park. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, streaming to you live on KUCI.org. And speaking of giving out websites, it's a, a lovely website that the Great Park has. It's the org. To find out what's going on, what's coming up, uh, the how to get there. I mean, everything's free. As we were talking about the admissions, free parking. It's I don't know how long that'll last, but uh, you make it pretty easy for people to um, have a, a you know a, a, a mind spirit lifting time uh, with the terms that you're offering there.
1: Well, Claudia, it's a matter of uh, philosophy for us. And uh, when we look around the cultural landscape of Orange County, what we see are a lot of excellent private institutions, uh, some of which uh, really take as a matter of uh, pride that they uh, do not have the benefit of any public funding. But, of course, there is an unintended consequence of that, uh, which is that uh, organizations that uh, place their... Uh, entire emphasis on uh, uh, reaching out to that constituency often all serve a very narrow uh, sector of the population and inadvertently, uh, with uh, high ticket prices, create a barrier between uh, the people and uh, the opportunity to have excellent uh, cultural experiences.
0: Right, and I know that the the uh, the or- the Costa Mesa Performing Arts Center has certainly tried to have the vision of being a gathering place, a cultural setting, but it certainly does um, uh, ex- not include all all takers with um, the the necessary high prices that they're um, commanding to underwrite those performances. So the Orange County Great Park really is serving a tremendous service for the broadest possible population. And so, Henry, um, You were talking a little bit about uh, some of the past. What can we look forward to in the way of exhibits before we move into the artists and residents? What's coming up? In
1: in our beautiful Great Park Gallery currently is an exhibition that uh, explains and celebrates uh, what I would regard as a a genuine cultural phenomenon, which is uh, our uh, Great Park Legacy Project. And Claudia, again, to give you a little background, uh, ever since 2002, and that was about mm, three or four years after uh, the base first closed, uh, a group of uh, archaeologists slash photographers uh, committed to documenting every inch of the El Toro property over a 15-year period uh, to thoroughly document uh, the transition of the land from the uh, military base to the Orange County Great Park. And along the way, as they explored every nook and cranny of the uh, 5,000-acre El Toro property, uh, they got the idea to take a former F-18 fighter plane hangar and turn it into the world's largest camera. Uh, Ah, yes. Not only is it the world's largest camera, but it was a... uh, what uh, in Italian is called a camera obscura, which is Italian for dark room. This is how photography was invented, uh, taking a dark space and putting a little hole in the wall and then letting the uh, refracted uh, light come in, and, uh, and then eventually uh, images were, uh, were exposed in those dark spaces. So this uh, legacy project group turned this giant F-18 hangar into the world's largest camera and proceeded to make the world's largest picture.
0: And where are those world's largest pictures now? They were displayed, but where are they this time? Right in the Great Park Gallery
1: in the Palm Court Arts Complex.
0: And that's going to be a a permanent collection there, or we just have every now and then an opportunity? This a
1: temporary exhibition in the Great Park Gallery uh, that uh, talks about the great picture, And the men who made the great picture, the legacy project, shows the art that they created as a collective and also shows the art that they have done as uh, individuals, including the great picture itself. But uh, it's so large that that we couldn't display it even in our spacious gallery. So it is in uh, the great crate, the very crate that it was used to ship the great picture to Beijing, China, uh, where it was exhibited several months ago. And it's fun to just uh, uh, see it uh, on this giant spindle that the Legacy Project invented to to roll the great picture and uh, and ship it uh, across the world.
0: My goodness, my goodness. Well, so how about uh, what what will be coming up then in terms of some? Uh, uh, when, how long will this temporary exhibit last? And well, then... this
1: exhibition will last through January 29. Okay. And then the Great Park Gallery will be on hiatus while we install our next exhibition, which is also a a story that you may find interesting. Please. Uh, It's called called Farmers to Flyers, El Toro at Mid-Century. And uh, Farmers to Flyers uh, is a a history exhibition that takes a really in-depth look at the uh, founding of El Toro the agricultural heritage of that land prior to it becoming uh, El Toro, and the enormous explosion and changes that occurred in Orange County uh, in the middle part of the 20th century, stimulated in part by the coming of the the military that had a lot to do with the development of the uh, aerospace industry in Orange County after World War II. Now, the really fascinating thing about this exhibition, at least from my perspective, is that it is based on 450 oral history interviews with El Toro veterans that have been systematically done all over the country for the past five years by the Center for uh, Oral and Public History at Cal State Fullerton. And this has given our veterans an opportunity to uh, uh tell their story and tell the story of their experiences, which are then uh, knitted together in this exhibition that includes photographs, uh, artifacts, uh, texts, uh, documents, and the actual uh, interviews with the veterans that visitors to the exhibition are going to be able to uh, plug in with earphones and, uh, and experience uh, firsthand.
0: Well, I think this is a great uh, opportunity to catch veterans who I think, in this stage of their lives, they're understanding the value of their stories of, as relics. I, I know personally from interviewing a, a B-17 um, World War II veteran, um, one of my favorite interviews here on Escalator, and so I can imagine that the center uh, taking these histories and um, and are getting to hear them uh, at the Great Park is a it's a, a phenomenal opportunity, and I. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to that, Henry. And those f- well, we do, you know, again have a philosophical commitment
1: to uh, doing what we can to keep this legacy alive. It's
0: the heritage part of the park,
1: indeed. And we're doing that in uh, in all kinds of uh, ways, uh, including uh, when uh, the exhibition is up, uh, we will be having public programs out in the Palm Court, in which a professional storyteller is going to be uh, entertaining and uh, teaching our audiences uh, using the veteran stories and some of the materials in, uh, in the Farmer's and Flyers exhibition to, uh, to bring it alive. That's one of the things we really like to do at the Great Park is take a look at how uh, all of the arts and all of creativity can be brought to bear, and we just don't want to do an exhibition. We also want to be able to uh, uh, interpret that to the public in interesting and entertaining ways.
0: Well, Henry, it must be particularly striking for you with all your um, experience in, ver- in various uh, cultural art centers around the country that there is so much that's been documented to uh, explain the setting and the time and the era and all uh, around the Great Park.
1: Well, it's wonderful to be involved in a project that embraces all of the arts and, uh, and uh, modern and contemporary history as well. And uh, I'm a really lucky guy, Claudia, because yes. these are the uh, the core interests that I've held for uh, for a lifetime, and uh, so uh, there's some days uh, I just feel like a kid in a candy store.
0: <laughs> Wonderful. Well, there is a very important component of the park. It's uh, that you've uh, initiated recently, and I want to find out a great deal about that. It's the artists in residence. Currently, Amy Katarina has a multimedia, multifaceted um, uh, multi-textured um uh, project g- going on it's she did some yarn bombing in October she had moving images in mid-December and we still can catch her through uh, January 21st I, I think it's in case you get lost as the January 21st um exhibit uh, or a uh, performance art piece from 1 to 4 on that particular Saturday is it oh that's well, a Sunday well
1: all of that is right and uh again if you'll permit me let me give Please. you a little background uh in regard to our Artist-in-Residence program. Uh, something that probably uh, some in your audience may not know is that uh, when the Great Park was master-planned, it was master-planned by a team that really was uh, uh, very sensitive to the role that the arts could play Kenny in Smith. the park lively. I'm talking about uh, people like Ken Smith and Mia Lair and uh, the environmental artist Mary Miss, who was part of the original uh, planning team for the Great Park master plan. And uh, collectively, uh, they came to the uh, understanding that uh, it was really important to think about and plan a park beyond, uh, beyond landscape, beyond architecture, the park that really was about uh, how you connect with people and how you develop audiences and what kind of experiences audiences have when they uh, come to the park.
0: The software and to so the it, hardware, I guess.
1: It, uh, that puts it just perfectly. Go ahead. And uh, as part of this uh, software, uh, the role of the artist was envisioned as a, somebody who would come in and work at the park, and work alongside the people who are uh, developing the park and uh, and programming the park, and uh, that an artist-in-residence program, because there will be new artists coming to the park uh, every six months, will make sure that we continue to stay alive to uh, all of the the creative possibilities at the park
0: are there any particular oh yes Sandy. go ahead excuse me oh you go ahead well i was just wondering if there were criteria now you've talked about the sort of the the legacy part of the setting but in selecting the artist are you beholden to any kind of um you know wor- uh, any particular criteria anyway
1: well what we're beholden to is uh is our own value system claudia and our value system suggested that we wanted artists who were really eager to communicate with the public, relate to the public, and learn from the
0: public. Okay. And, and,
1: uh, and you know, arts practice is, a, you know, in general, a pretty solitary uh, proposition. Uh, it's a writer alone in his room at his desk or an artist alone in his studio or her studio uh, at the canvas. And uh, But there is a... Um, and, uh, a growing uh, cadre of, uh, of artists who are very interested in doing their work in a, in a, in a public setting, in a transparent setting. And uh, that was really the uh, main criteria uh, with uh, quality and, uh, and experience also being a part of that criteria. So what we did was we did uh, an international competition. We put out a call for artists. Uh, around the world. Uh, We asked them to uh, respond to uh, certain questions designed to elicit their uh, commitment to public work, their interest in some of the major themes of the park, their knowledge about uh, the park's projects and how it's developing and where they might conceivably uh, fit into that picture. And then we impaneled some of the smartest and most expert uh, uh, folks uh, in Orange County. Uh, to come in as a, uh, uh, a panel to carefully review these applications and give us recommendations about uh, uh, artists that might uh, be, the, be the right choices to begin this great program. And uh, one of the things that I think makes what we are doing unusual is that we open this competition to artists of all disciplines, we weren't just looking for visual artists, for painters and sculptors, we were looking for choreographers, we were looking for musicians, we were looking for uh, interdisciplinary uh, artists. We were looking for artists that may be inventing their own art forms as, uh, as their, uh, their careers develop, and we've gotten, uh, for our initial group, a very nice uh, mix and balance of, uh, of talents of which uh, Amy Caterina uh, that you mentioned uh, is, is, is an excellent example uh, because Amy has great range as an artist. She is interested uh, in fiber art, she's interested in film, and she's interested in video and photography. And what she's been doing in her residency, among the things that she's been doing, is uh, interacting and uh, taking uh, photographic portraits of the visitors that come to her open studio program. And those portraits are what are going to be exhibited uh, at that event that you mentioned. That's taking place on, on January, January 21st, 21st, one to four. From uh, from one to four, uh, the uh, ideas behind the uh, installation are are quite interesting to me and maybe to uh, your listeners. Um, uh, Amy was uh, in New York at the time that the 9/11 occurred, and uh, as someone who was really interested in the image, she was absolutely fascinated by the way that uh, folks in New York uh, use snapshot photography in an effort to identify uh, lost loved, lo- loved ones. Oh, yeah. And she was really struck as she moved around the city seeing uh, uh, Xeroxed uh, photographs of individuals pinned up on uh, lampposts and the sides of the walls. So her project for the Great Park is entitled In Case You Get Lost, and as part of the process of having your photograph taken. You tell Amy... Uh, the name uh, of an individual uh, that she will turn over a copy of your picture for safekeeping uh, in the event that it was ever needed uh, for uh, the purposes of uh, of identifying
0: you. Oh, I'm so glad to get that uh, context of, in case you get lost. And it's, I, I don't um, want to miss a chance before we have to close this soon, this interview is on that same day prior to her performance artistry piece will be the landscape of movement from 11 to 1 on that january 21st so it's you could just put the whole day there the park and then we want to make sure that um, let's see we have coming up uh we, well we talked about um the um oh and the, i should mention too uh although this is going to be broadcast uh, at a, a date after the great park new year's eve so folks you missed it when you hear this uh, broadcast there was the great park new year's eve from 5 to 9.30, as the uh, website mentions, that everybody can get to that and still go on to their party um, with joining others for the midnight uh, arrangement. So I, the the Great Park really is covering their bases, your bases, our bases, extremely uh, ambitiously. So it's I, I'm happy to give a little uh, press here with our community radio with, with what's going on because I think a lot is getting drowned out by... A, uh, as you were talking about, a sort of a smaller agenda with people that are counting the, the beans, but uh, the beans have flowered, they're bearing fruit, and there's, there's a lot going on, um, what's been planted in that old bean field, the Great Park.
1: Well, apropos of that, uh, it also may interest your uh, listeners to know that the Great Park has a very lively uh, agricultural program. Oh, yes. Uh, not, only, not only do we have our uh, farm and food uh, laboratory, which is an educational uh, unit that is staffed by your uh, UCI Master Gardeners, right? But we also have acres and acres and acres uh, out on the runways uh, under uh, under cultivation, and a lot of that food goes to uh, the folks in need in Orange County uh, that are hungry through uh, to our uh, Orange County Food banks. Uh, so uh, this is. Uh, uh very uh the whole uh, whole other thrust of the great park that isn't uh uh my area but it's one that uh certainly uh parallels uh, what we're doing and i love your uh metaphor of the uh of the beans uh, sprouting and uh, they're literally sprouting at the great park
0: and we have had a chance to explore with the those that are taking up either the the master gardener training or uh creating the programs and there was a mark witty was a mark winnie was um, a lecturer and he spoke on this program prior to his appearance at the great park so we're we're getting finally to cover the cultural aspect with you henry cordon and i i know we uh need to bring this shortly to a close of uh, is there anything that you would oh yes i would like to mention the uh, the in-focus, the multi-part video uh, series that's tracking this transformation, that is the Great Park staff's undertaking. It's not a a, um, a visiting artist kind of assignment, is it?
1: Well, the uh, documentation of the Great Park under transition is being done by the Legacy Project, and they are artists in residence at the Great Park. Uh, we've talked about uh, them, and we've talked about Amy Katerina, but we haven't talked about uh, Deborah Ashon our uh, artist in residence who is working with historical memory and uh, involving uh, her visitors to her open studio in collecting memories about the founding of uh, Irvine and uh, UCI as well as uh, their experiences with uh, Richard Nixon as an icon of, uh, of uh, Orange County history and then our uh, musician in residence uh, Kevin Lauchs, uh is doing his next uh, chamber music concert on January 28th. Uh, it's called The Art of the Cello. There are going to be four or five more uh, chamber music concerts are coming up soon after that, uh, uh, one on uh, on uh, February 25th, for example. Uh, we have, uh, you've mentioned uh, Motion Tribe uh, coming to perform from 11 to 1 the same day that uh, Amy Katerina's In Case You Get Lost event is occurring uh, Saturday, uh, January 21st, um, this is an outdoor performance uh, on the uh, Palm Court space, and like all of the performances that we do uh, on the uh, Palm Court Plaza and the adjacent lawn, it's participatory, so that uh, parents and kids and uh, dance aficionados who uh, show up for the Motion Tribe event will be invited not only to, uh, to watch, but to uh,
0: dance as well. Well this is really all the time that we're going to have for this uh interview. I really applaud you in speaking so uh, superbly to how this very ambitious project is meeting a really broad need for a a, a culture hungry fast growing uh, demographic here, and I we didn't get a chance um, to ask about the the demographics of the of the audiences for all of these um, various exhibits and performances. But I I I applaud you, and I I hope that uh, we can do our part in community radio to to bring this theme of a vision to the the broader discussion of how the Orange County resources are going into developing this cultural institution. So I uh, want to thank you, Henry Corn. The the manager for the arts, culture, and heritage at the Orange County Great Park. Thank you for being on the show today. It's my pleasure. And, Henry, Happy New Year. To you, too. Thank you. in the background for this uh, segue away from Henry's interview. Um, this is the performance of a rare opportunity to document the sound of the El Toro Marine Corps uh, hangar. This is in uh, tip to the hat of the avant-gardist Luigi Russolo, who uh, performed and composed work with noise machines and so um, this is how the El Toro base, that the Great Park uh, effort heritage building, is tracking the transformation of the facilities there at El Toro. I just want you to have a listen because it's so extraordinary. But we'll just get a little bit of some. Mm-hmm. It may be very different sounding the next time a recording is put together. It's, this is called Loopool, Impressions of the Marine Corps Air Station El Toro. Just a few more listens, folks. <laughs> We'll be right back after some station breaking, folks. As a parent, you can't help but look at your child and wonder what the future holds. You may dream about the possibility of your son or daughter becoming a professional athlete or a renowned heart surgeon. But while you're dreaming, consider this. The odds that your child will be diagnosed with autism are 1 in 166. Knowing the signs of autism and catching it early could make a world of difference to your child and to you. To learn the signs, visit AutismSpeaks.org. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council.
1: Hi, this is Ian from Gomez. You are listening to KUC. KUCI, University of California, Urban California. KUCI presents a series of pointers to promote tolerance and cultural awareness. By following these simple steps, KUCI listeners can create a better world for all. Tip number three. Attend services at a variety of churches, synagogues, mosques, and temples to learn about different faiths. For more ways to promote cultural awareness, stay tuned to KUCI.
0: on writing This is a tip of the hat to recording artist Cesaria Evora, who died last month. I believe it still was December, and this is a Partida, uh, and on her um, anthology uh, um, recording. I just wanted to uh, seg into what is uh, Entrada. Here um, we're going to talk about the uh, the new year, bringing in. 750 plus new laws for Californians. That's a lot of legislation, folks. Think of what Congress could have accomplished had there not been this obsessive exercise over the deficit ceiling. Well, anyway, I had a handful uh, that um, follow along, a handful of new laws that follow along with some of the last year's interviews that I've conducted. We'll start with the California presidential primary. That was. um, now it's moved from February back to June. That's where it was in the uh, up until I think the 70s or so, 70s or 80s. This year, uh, the presidential primary, along with all the other primary elections for California, will be held on June 5th. Other states moved their primaries before California, so pushing the state's primary date around had really little effect. So, uh, th- th- thus this new law and the fiscal impact, folks, 100 cool million dollars. So it's. It was a consolidation. I actually was wondering when we were ever going to get this. So, um, you must be registered to vote for this particular primary. I really want everybody to pay special attention to, especially the people I know who still haven't registered to vote. DSB, I hope you're listening. Um, that you must be registered to vote no later than May 21st, 2012, in order to participate in this primary, which is the first time, as I said, that they've been combined for for the last many while. Uh, It's an interesting commentary that California is not trying to chase those um, early primaries, and California is going to save the cash, and we have our own influence that we offer here. So um, if you need any more information about registering, you go to the website, elections at SOS, like Secretary of State, elections at sos.ca.gov. Or, here's a phone number for you to take down. I'll just say it clearly and lucidly. one 800 345 one 800 345 Now, the next, uh, apropos this, is uh, the legislation known as Senate Bill 397. This is uh, allowing Californians to vote Uh, To register to vote online, this measure requires the county elections office to use the voter signature from the Department of Motor Vehicles to verify the authenticity. The next is California National Popular Vote Law. Let me see here where I had that going on. And that is going to um, uh, take in—oh, actually, I'm going to go back to that in a minute here— The DREAM Act of California. Now, I want to clear up confusion that I had to actually sort out for myself. Um, There were two state bills that are assembly bills, 130 and 131. First was 130, that is now going to infect as of January 1st, wherein undocumented students at public universities and community colleges are eligible for privately funded scholarships now the ab131 is going to allow those same undocumented students eligibility for applying for state funded cal grants and other public aid but the difference here is the private is in a the private funding becomes available january 1 of this year the public funding becomes available january 1 of next year that little synthesis is um uh, took some doing folks but it's it's there for you to um to see what's going on now we have um akin to that dream act of uh, california is um well i just want to put in perspective that the dream act it's still different from the federal initiative which was going to put forth a path to citizenship for children of uh undocumented immigrants who can uh their education status and show an effort to become a legal resident. Now, the measure, it failed to attract enough support, as we talked about in the beginning of last year in Congress, but with California having passed a smaller version of the bill, many pundits, I don't know if it's enough pundits, are hoping that the Golden State will set the tone for the rest of the nation. So, I want to make sure we can cover, though, that other, the um, California Uh, popular vote. um, It's an interesting one because uh, it was signed into law awarding California's 55 electoral votes to the winner of the overall popular vote in the U.S. presidential elections. Now, the new California law, it has a caveat because the law, it will go into effect only when the bill is enacted by enough states to comprise a total of 270 electoral votes or more. That's the two thirds there. So, the net, na- or the, that's a simple majority of electoral votes. So, the national popular voter vote legislation has been enacted by nine states, which combined represent nearly half of the 270 electoral votes needed for the law to go into effect. So, this national popular vote bill is being considered in every state and has now been adopted by uh, enough states to total, as I said, that's 132 electoral votes. So, um, Watch for that. Now, the next law is uh, dealing with autism. Insurers will be required, as that's effective right now, January 1, 2012, will be required to cover the treatments only until the federal health care law signed by President Obama is implemented. And if the federal government does not provide coverage for the treatment outlined in the bill by July 2014, the state autism coverage mandate will expire. The next law I want to bring to your attention is known as the California Gay Bullying Law, or Seth's Law. This combats bullying of gay and lesbian students in public schools by requiring school districts to have a uniform process dealing with gay bullying complaints. Mandates that school personnel intervene if they witness gay bullying. So that's effective after school's out this year on July 1st, 2012. Then we have the California handgun open carry law. So the open carry citizen handgun ban is now in effect January 1. This is supported by law enforcement agencies uh, who can't tell whether openly carried weapons are loaded or not. Violators are going to pay a $1,000 plus six months in jail, is a misdemeanor count, and gun rights advocates now vow, vow to carry rifles and shotguns instead. So Californians can still get permits for concealed weapons, though it's increasingly difficult. So as I said, it's effective uh, two days ago. The uh, Another law is the mandatory Department of Motor Vehicle Organ Donation answer, uh, and that is the state of California now requires all of the driver's license and ID applicants to answer yes or no to whether they want their organs donated. This law uh, is it's already being enforced now. What has happened is that um, if there wasn't a sort of a vocal affirming request for, Having the the organ donation checked off on the or the sticker put on the driver's license, there was a sort of a disconnect. People didn't see that they had any responsibility they didn't relate to their more increasingly heterogeneous sort of population as uh, prospective beneficiaries of uh, organ donation so now this is a as I said a firming step where a, a person is directly approached. Verbally approached at the uh, Department of Motor Vehicle Application step to have their um, their driver's license mark the, um, the the willingness of the holder of the card to have their or, or organs you know donated redeemed because uh, we have a, a very increasingly smaller pool of, of organs that are usable and and increasing larger demand for these organs, so um, this was one way to rectify that supply-demand problem. Another law is the California renter's right to recycling law. Apartment building landlords will start, uh, it's effective right now, to have to provide recycling services for 7 million California uh, tenants. Also, uh, that apparently this was brought before the previous governor and he vetoed it because he thought this was going to be an inordinate expense to business. But, you know, California is ready to recycle everybody, and this was really more of a burden to the tenants who had to schlep their recycles to another place, and that wasn't going to work if we're going to keep putting more things in the landfill instead of repurposing and reusing recyclable materials. So thank you, Jerry Brown, you signed that one. So also pertaining... Uh, I wanted to mention, um, tacked onto the DREAM Act in terms of uh, its dealing with immigration policy, is uh, now uh, the sobriety checkpoints. In an issue affecting, as I said, undocumented immigrants, uh, law enforcement agencies, agencies will now be banned from impounding a vehicle at sobriety checkpoint if the lack of a driver's license is the only offense. Otherwise, there were a lot of people getting rounded up for just not having that particular piece of equipment there for um, deportation, folks. The next uh, law is that schools will now be required to play uh, a student-athlete. Well, I'm sorry, they're going to be required to remove from play a student-athlete who sustains a possible concussion and uh, mandates that the player receive medical clearance from returning to competition. And I wanted to mention that we have uh, from the uh, Center for Disease Control at uh, the National Agency a really terrific item published through the Center for Neuroskills, a um, a laminated card card flap chart, um, uh, I don't know how else to describe it, that helps us on the sidelines of an event or an incident uh, identify mild to serious traumatic brain injury. It gives very easily followed, identifiable uh, symptoms so that we'll know how to follow it up uh, so that we can minimize um, that damage. So it's uh, it's something I would like to cover in an interview later on in the year so that we can all be better equipped, I'd like for every every coach to have this laminated uh, card set, so that um, that we can all jump on uh, an immediate incident that uh, to minimize that trauma that's sustained by that young athlete or that that not so young citizen resident that's out there um, who who may have suffered some kind of brain injury. Now um, another law that was enacted is the. Saving Parks Bill, authored by Jared Huffman, says providing authority for the State Department of Parks and Recreation to enter into operating agreements with nonprofit organizations in order to avoid or minimize state park closures resulting from California's fiscal crisis. Now, that's important, too, from a maintenance standpoint, not just from a user standpoint, that if those nonprofits are stepping in, that means... The maintenance is sustained, and we don't incur more costs from abandoning that state park. So it's a very opportunistic move on the part of uh, the Assembly to to shore up what kinds of resources are available to keep our parks reasonably uh, uh, op- well open, well-maintained. Um, and last but not least is an item near to my heart. We've talked about that with, with Biff Baker last month, is that the, from from now, the an exemption for brewers from the California Retail Food Code... Excuse me, I will start again. There's an exemption f- for brewers from the California Retail Food Code requirements. It allows for craft beer makers to open tasting rooms if food is not served. So that is a wrap-up of some of the 750 laws enacted in California. There's a lot of federal ones, but we'll have to... Uh, We'll have to put that in a different form, so folks, i want to thank you for staying with me over this last year's programming and I want for you to let me know if you have suggestions you've got ideas you've got comments about this show remember I have an email address here at the station c shamba at k u c i dot org that's c s h a m b a u g h at KUCI.org. And if the spelling eludes you, you can go back to the KUCI website, look up Ask a Leader uh, program at this hour and Tuesdays, and you can get the correct spelling. Next week we have on tap Amy Wheeler, a therapist intervening in parent and infant interactions, and Tammy Kramer-Sudlik. She's a researcher at UCLA looking at how over various cultures families are negotiating their various roles with all the pressures that they face think that'll be a really nice package deal. And at this time, that's all the time we have. I want to thank you for joining me. Stay tuned for Jo's, George Rosales with George Had a Hat. Happy New Year, all.